welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one illuminating page of Talmud a day. After so many breaks for so many yontavs and holidays and Chagim and Pesach and Cholamoid and what have you, we're now back, back on track, back on schedule, back with a good, old-fashioned, hardened Talmudic discussion. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time one of my good friends and, and one of my great teachers, Rabbi, Dr. Sensei, Stu Halpern. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I can never remember your full title because you do so many things that it always confuses me. You basically kind of make Yeshiva University run, but your full title on a business card or three business cards, because I think one is too short to contain <laughs> it, would be what now? I am the senior advisor to the provost and the senior program officer of the Strauss Center for Torah and Western Thought at Yeshiva University. I would like to say that the Provost, the Strauss Center, Torah, and Western Thought are all very lucky to have you fighting on their side. So, Dr. Rabbi Halpern, I ask you to join us today because the pages we discuss, pages 44 and 45 in Masechet Shabbat, Tractate Shabbat, are kind of really hardcore uh, pages with a lot of kind of intricate discussions about them. We have a lot of stuff about lamp and oil and, and really kind of you know, very nifty halachic stuff. But there was one concept that really kind of captured my mind, and that's the concept of the muchni. What is it? So a muchni is the undercarriage or the basis of a wagon. So for the purposes of the Talmud, it's detachable from the wagon and is not considered connected to it. And it's an independent unit as far as the laws of purity and impurity are concerned. So in other words, if there is something on the wagon that is impure, like, say, a, a dead body, and that automatically renders everything in that comes into contact with it impure, the mochni is a basically, interestingly, I think, a piece of technology that sort of isolates or insulates the contents of the rest of the cart from, from the source of impurity, which is really interesting to me because usually... Our habit is to think of technology as a source, at least in modern terms, of so much impurity, anything from pornography to violence to all other kinds of bad influence. And, and here we're reminded, a particularly poignant reminder perhaps in, in the midst of a plague, that technology could also do a lot of things to render us pure or to, to isolate us from the impurity outside. Is, is that correct? I think so. And I think it's particularly resonant in this strange time of plague that we're living in that uh, technology, though often, and this has been well-documented, can make us feel more isolated. I'm struck by how the religious community, particularly the Jewish community that I live in, has come together over our distance through technology. Uh, sociolo a sociologist friend of mine uh, mentioned that we actually shouldn't be using the term social distancing because we should be socially coming together, and we are through technology like Zoom, but it's physical distancing that's important for us to be maintaining. So there's been an incredible array of social cohesiveness, I think, that I've seen in, uh, in our community, whether it be my own Yeshiva University, putting 1,700 classes online and singing us into Shabbos with our rabbinic leader strumming their guitars and uh, offering words of wisdom Friday before sunset, to our graduate school doing a digital Haggadah companion titled, On This Night We Are All Teachers, to our students doing their own Haggadah Companion, because what would Judaism be if not the Haggadah Companion you choose not to use? <laughs> and so I think this notion of, of, of physical distancing, I, I love your suggestion of not calling it social distancing, is something that 
all of us in every community uh, are feeling kind of strongly. But but I think you're right that people in the um, modern Orthodox community are probably feeling it more intensely a little bit, right? Because life for you, I know because you've told me this, revolved largely around, you know, wake up in the morning, going to shul, uh, you know, spending Shabbat together in shul, Shabbat dinners, etc. A lot of kind of like rituals and rites of everyday life that involved being together in close proximity with other people that are now no longer possible, right? Right. But I, I, I've been surprised by the accessibility that I've personally gained and the, the tools that my own family has gained um, through this new ways we have to overcome this isolation. You know, my, my kids learned how to create ice cream in a bag because our synagogue youth department walked us through Zoom, of course, on how to do that. And trust me, if you haven't tried it, you haven't lived. It was actually the greatest <laughs> ice cream we've ever had. We had nice flowers growing in the front yard of our house that fell victim to the youth department scavenger hunt, uh, instructing the uh, the young kids who would normally be playing around in our groups during synagogue services, instead going out and, and cutting some nice flowers along with finding, uh, you know, G.I. Joes among their toys to put together whatever they were supposed to find for their hunt. And I was profoundly moved by a professor friend of mine at Yeshiva University who actually had a bunch of students come together electronically, of course, who attend Yeshiva University, but originally hail from Vienna, Amsterdam, Moscow, Panama, Venezuela. And they discussed their own Passover practices from their own traditions. So, so these are the kinds of experiences that we never would have had had we not had the blessings of technology. So has this period changed the way you as a religious person and as a scholar and a thinker think about technology? I think it has. I think we live in a blessed time where right now, unfortunately, we are going through the Shiva that my uh, mother-in-law is sitting for her own mother and seeing people zoom into Shiva who wouldn't otherwise have been able to come in person because we have the tools of electro- of uh, Zoom and of Microsoft Teams and these other ways we have to bring people together, I think it's enhanced the religious experience for so many and has touched our family in a way we hadn't expected and would not normally have experienced had this not been available to us as a tool. And so let's go back to the Mukhni for a second. One of the things that you said in your introduction that that I found very curious um, and noteworthy was that this little component, this little insulation chamber was detachable. So I observed Shabbat and have been my whole life. So many others, particularly in recent years, have started taking upon themselves the practice of a tech Shabbat, just unplugging for one day a week from technology. And I think the concept of the Mukhni reminds us that while something can serve as the basis that leads us along our goings every day and is forever seemingly connected, plugged into our very selves, it isn't connected to our very selves. While it serves as a basis, it is something we can detach from. It is something we can separate ourselves from. And so while technology is often a blessing, there is that other side of the way in which it can distance ourselves from our true selves and from those closest to us even in physical proximity. So I think it's important to remember both sides of the mukhni and remind ourselves technology can be used both for good and for bad. But it's important to remember that it is not the center of life. We are. Dr. Rabbi Halperin, thank you so much for that crucially important reminder. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, 
please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Soon.